0: You're listening to 90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 152. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with hypnotist Jason Linett to talk about the efficacy of hypnosis and the positive effects it has on overall performance. Jason explains the hypnosis process and how it unlocks the mind to access a more resourceful state. He further breaks down how hypnosis can play a big part in developing mental toughness and better decision-making. Jason has a unique way of taking an ancient technique and making it accessible and relevant. Are you ready to raise your game? 2021 is the year to increase your performance on and off the field. The Athletes Edge Journal was designed to cultivate self-confidence and mental resilience through the power of sports psychology. Whether you are a professional athlete, a former college athlete, or have aspirations of greatness in the future, this journal is for you. Visit winthementalgame.com and use the promo code GRANTPAR20 to receive a 20% discount at checkout. Act now to take your mental game to the next level. What would more wins, higher productivity, or quicker recovery mean for you? Neuropeak Pro optimizes human performance by working to promote balance within the autonomic nervous system. Used by the world's elite athletes, this training program is now available to you at home. Cutting-edge neuroscience and technology allows you to strengthen your brain remotely, anytime, anywhere. Schedule your evaluation and get started with your brain training today. Visit Neuropeak Pro and receive a 10% discount by using the promo code GRANTPAR.
1: Hey, Jason, how are you doing? Fantastic. Good to be here, Grant. All right. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for a lot of reasons because I've never had a hypnotist on my show. Um, and as much as I've been exposed to this work, um, I've actually gone through the work. Uh, I've worked with somebody before in the past. Um, I'm just really excited to just kind of understand how you go about um, your practice Um, what motivated you, your story and all that kind of stuff. So and you're the first person on the show to talk about um, hypnosis. So, man, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. So before we get into that, I um, always want to talk about one of my favorite topics as uh, mental toughness. So when you think about the two words, mental toughness, uh, what does that mean to you?
2: And this might not be the direct route you'd expect me to go, but I go back to a moment that as of now is about nine years ago and talking about mental toughness, talking about athletes, this is a story where I'm laying on my back on a bed. (laughs) We're on a vacation, we're off to visit uh, some friends, they're getting married out in Canada. And we almost didn't make this trip because my daughter at the time of the story is three months old. And I had gone up to the hotel room to change her, give her a bottle, I'm about to meet up with everybody. And it turns into this moment where just unexpectedly, I'm holding her burping the baby, and she just falls asleep. And that sort of half mouth open baby face is looking up at me and she is just out.
0: Mm. And
2: in that moment, time completely stood still. My phone was out of reach. They knew I was gonna be a little while up there, so there was no immediate hurry. Yet suddenly there was this massive rush of just every positive emotion of just love and calm and just connection. And I was just in that. And I took that as a quick moment there. And it probably was a lot shorter than what I remembered it to be. Yet in that moment, I kind of did a little bit of a physiological scan to kind of track what that feeling was and connect that to an action, which to this day, it's not even something big and extraneous. Just by kind of shifting my posture and dropping my breathing a little bit lower, I can bring back that same exact physiological, emotional state on demand. Hmm. So I bring this up as we kick off talking about mental toughness, because here's the place where there may be conflict. Here's the moment where there may be some sort of challenge inside of what we do. And consistently, like just like a tool, like a button that I can push like a machine, that little bit of that physiological adjustment to just adjust the shoulders, drop the core of my breathing down lower, and suddenly I'm in that state. So this ability to what we call anchor, the ability that on demand we can call about a specific sensation, which, you know, over the years, here's that feeling for excitement, here's that feeling for compassion, here's that feeling of all all of our emotional intelligence range. And I look at the idea of mental toughness of not just the mindset of I can handle whatever comes my way, but also that I can easily access any of these necessary emotions whether it be excitement, whether it be compassion, whether it be just simply being present and listening to somebody, so that's what I see as being that need because it always depends on what our what our current situation is, what's coming our way, and I see it more as that emotional flexibility more than anything else. Yeah, totally.
1: I call it, and I love that you you're bringing a breath, you know, getting into your breath, being present. I call it bending. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times when we break. That We lose our mental toughness or the ability to be mentally tough. And so the more that we can breathe and bend, then we can access those tools that you're talking about. And I, 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 trust me, like when you said this, I'm like, I'm so happy that he said this, but the button, because when I'm working with my clients and my athletes, I always ask them, well, don't you wish you could just have a button and push? Like when you're out of focus, get back into focus. Or when you're out of, you know, when you're not confident, how do you get back to your most confident self? Can you wish you had a button and they're like yeah and i'm like well you, you can actually create one yeah you can create that that mental button that emotional button and also we're going to talk a little bit about creating that button and anchoring so we're going to save that for the middle of the the podcast but i i love that you touched on that so let's get into what you do as a hypnotist what what motivated you to to go down this path
2: Oh, you know the standard route right that's what everyone does i was at college and it was the welcome week and someone come came to my university where they do all these big events for all the students and here was a person who was doing one of those comedy stage hypnosis shows like a lot of people i'm sure out there have seen and as i'm watching it just something about that just grabbed my attention and just went oh that's cool and began to look out to find like reading materials how do i learn how to do that and i did make a rather fortunate mistake which was that most of the materials I was finding were not about the entertainment side, they were more the hypnotherapy side. And it was the split reality of this is not what I wanted, but this is fascinating, keep reading. And it's probably because of that, the early days of my work as a hypnotist were for doing programs for schools, doing programs for corporate groups. And it was always from the mindset of what was their problem, what was the challenge that they were facing, And then how can we use this as a presentation now to illustrate that and create resolutions, which, you know, we drop the word hypnosis and people start to have some misconceptions and expectations. I describe it a little bit differently than others, which we can just simply go after the one word that people might attach to it, trance. And the word trance may bring about this magical expectation, but let's really simplify this for everybody trance can be defined as that moment where the internal reality, the internal perceptions carry more meaning than the external reality. So the story that is going on inside of us kind of domineers the story that's going on externally. So let's say for your athletes, here's the person who's the most qualified one out there. They're really skilled at what they do. I, I worked with a power lifter years ago that in his own home gym could lift a substantial amount of weight. In competition, it was kind of the reverse of most people. Most people can, from the rush of adrenaline, can do a little bit more. He would reverse back and couldn't lift the same amount of weight. He had every skill to do the thing, yet what was happening? The story inside of his mind would have to be simply interrupted and then rewritten over. So there's an old catchphrase in this world of we're not necessarily changing the client. We're really dehypnotizing the ideas that they're holding on to and trading out one non-resourceful trance state for another. And you know, in that process of learning that, I began to do these programs for schools, for corporate groups, for athletic groups as well. And that's what kind of morphed into working with clients one-to-one. And then over the years, as I continued to grow out, my business, the revelation was the same words and patterns I was using to help my clients. Turned out to be the same patterns that we use in business towards ethical influence and positive persuasion moving people towards a common shared outcome so to look at all that we do we're always influencing we're always persuading we might as well do it effectively absolutely
1: and you know it, it's really interesting because i've you know i've had multiple conversations about hypnosis and especially when you're talking to people typically on that front end when you bring up the word they're like <laughs> what you want know, you want to do what you know and I ask I ask people, Mike, have you ever been hypnotized before? And like majority of the people, like, no, no way. I would never. And I'm like, actually you you're hypnotized every single day. Yeah. Like one one being, which is very obvious, that cell phone. You're hypnotized. I mean, you you are sucked in by that that device. And music, trance, you talk about trance. Like right.
2: All, universe, getting a, getting swept up into something is the best way to look at that. Yeah. You could be driving in your car, you're thinking of everything other than driving your car, you still end up where you would like to go. You're watching a movie you know it's fiction and yet we still get swept up in the story but reverse these examples and bring it back to a personal challenge you're standing over the golf ball and you know all you have to do is just swing it and you can get it onto the green if you get it hole in one from that position fantastic but at least if you get it closer you can get it on the next shot yet if you're there rather than thinking about the mechanics now you're in your head playing the game trying to catch up from the one that went in the water three holes ago (laughs) trying to catch up from the one that ended up in the woods. You're in your head thinking about the other people who were playing that day. Again, there's that disconnect. So it's really, for these people that it's new to, the phrase is really that, congratulations, you're already doing this. (laughs) Let me just show you how to do it better.
1: You know, it's funny when you bring up, uh, you know, when you're competing in any sport or you're competing in anything and you have a mistake and you haven't let go of it and you keep on trying to, perform whatever you're performing and you still haven't let go of that, I call that creating an emotional bag of shit and that emotional bag of shit gets bigger and bigger and shittier and stinkier and smellier. If you don't let go of it, Uh, hopefully you can get the lesson from it so you can let go of it. But if you can't let go of it, man, it just, it affects your breathing, your body language, you know, your thoughts, your emotions, and it just makes you
2: tense. I shared a quote of a friend of mine before we jumped on here that, uh, Marie Mongan, who was the founder of the hypno birthing program, uh, she, uh, used to say that some of the happiest people you'd ever meet are completely out of their minds. <laughs> I <love laughs> and I love that as a mindset because instead of overthinking it and dwelling on the issue, instead we're in the moment, you know, open to, if I was back to the story with my daughter, when she fell asleep on me that time, if I was in my head going, yeah, but these friends are getting in from the airport, we should probably go meet them in the lobby. And instead I just chose that moment to disconnect from everything external be there with her and now here is that like a piece of vo- vo- emotional vocabulary i can call upon anytime anywhere exactly
1: i love that i love that now i know you work with various types of performers um what's a typical situation that you have to deal with as far as a performer coming to you and saying like hey i have this thing that is affecting my performance um, what, are, what's that, is there a
2: theme that you usually
1: deal with? And Then like, how do you go about kind of taking care of that?
2: Yeah. And I think there's a quick story to best set this up that if I'm ever working with an athlete, uh, my story begins with, before we begin, there's a quick story. I feel the need to tell you that when I was five years old, my parents put me on a soccer team mm-hmm. and I was so bad at soccer. My only goal was to kick the ball. <laughs> forget getting a goal, <laughs> forget even what I later on learned what learned what an assist was. If I kick the ball once, I was excited. So I was so bad at soccer. By the time I was six years old, I was taking piano lessons, <laughs> which is helpful to realize that yeah. <laughs> for someone, Grant, to be in front of you, for someone to even be in front of me, they're already, to some respect, world-class at what they do, at the person who suddenly – buys the set of golf clubs and suddenly realizes, oh, I need to learn how to do this. If they're calling me on the first round of that, I'm probably not the person they should be reaching out to. Meanwhile, the same, that if the person's reaching out and this is true, sadly, or to my respect, I'd say proud of this fact, they go, well, how often do you play? And I'm having to respond, well, my kids are right now seven and nine years old. And if we're playing putt-putt, I'm the one encouraging that we don't play for score and keep uh, track of it because they're, they're beating me. (laughs) So within all that we do, we don't have to necessarily be the expert on the specific thing. And this, this can be helpful to the coaches out there listening to this too. Everything comes down in my opinion, to four questions. How do you feel now? How would you rather feel? What are those things you're doing now? What are those things you'd rather be doing? And by having that criteria, whether it's the professional athlete, whether it's the high school athlete, this all correlates to a lot of the work that I do with people who are entrepreneurs, business owners. I was on a call the other day with someone who's an artist that's kind of stalling out where he's got every opportunity. And that's actually an industry in the specific niche that he's in. That's up in the middle of a pandemic. People are at home more and they want to bump up the quality of their living surroundings and, It's that high performance category, whether it's the business owner, whether it's the athlete, I go back to those four core questions that the mindset really ought to be not, let's shine the spotlight metaphorically on their problem and go, what the heck is wrong with you? It's instead back to that soccer story, you would not be in front of me if you were not already world-class at what you do. So this needs to now take on a respect of what's great about you. And how do we harness that? And how do we now utilize that and turn it into that push button skill that you can have rather than what's wrong and how are we going to fix that? If we identify with our clients or our audiences by their faults, that's unfortunately where we're all going to stay. Totally.
1: You know, it's, I love those four questions. Um, And I don't want to get off off track on, on this because it's more or less just sometimes when you just ask a few questions, the right questions. It just, it, it, it makes, it, boom, you, you get down to the core of it, the kernel yeah. of it, right? Of well, I this... mean, the
2: best illustration is that in another part of what I do, I teach hypnosis certification courses actually for one of the major organizations. Now, I help co-train the program that turns other people into instructors that train the trainer. And this goes back to a story years ago of someone in a class. Now, this was more so about people learning the skills of hypnotherapy. Uh, That's the work smart hypnosis side of what I do. And every break, this one student goes, well, what about a person with ADD? Well, what if they have this medical condition? What if they bite their nails? And it became a bit of a running gag because my answer was always the same. Well, what's their goal? (laughs) Right. When in doubt, ask, because they're going to give us every bit of that knowledge that we need by finding out what's working for you. How do we harness that? How do we copy and paste click and drag let's appropriately plagiarize from you <laughs> right
1: <laughs> oh man i love it i love it now obviously you know we're going to talk a little bit more about the uh, you know the benefits um of hypnosis but um has there been a bad experience i mean cuz i know what we, you know when you're putting somebody through hypnosis and there's all different kinds of of hypnosis mm-hmm But it's a vulnerable, it's a, you know, you're getting into a very vulnerable state. Someone's trusting you. Um, But has there been um, a negative experience that you had to deal with as
2: a practitioner going through something like this? I think back to one specific example, which the side note to this would be that hypnosis is a tool. And unfortunately, there may be the occasional story of someone in the news who did something inappropriate. If you look at that story, the hypnosis was never the factor, it was the individual. And to say it respectfully, the person who cuts your hair could be a sociopath. So good luck next time. (laughs) So it's not the tool itself. Hypnosis by definition, well, first of all, your mind is active and alert. You're going to hear everything. You're going to remember everything. In fact, you're going to remember things even better. So I look at that hypnotic process as a bit of a more receptive hyper learning state. So there's no moment of where was I? What happened? Instead, we're heightening that awareness. And again, that metaphor of the spotlight, let's shine it now where it ought to go. Mm -hmm. The, The one story that comes to mind, though, is kind of a funny one. Now, she was actually in for weight loss. And it's where in the middle of the session, in the middle of the work, suddenly something emotional welled over her and she was crying. Now, I had to, in that moment, write a little bit of a balance of having to question, because I live by the premise, work with the issue the person hired you to help you for. So rather than going, oh, this is the emotional trigger. That's why she's overweight. That could have been a wrong assumption. It might have been the correct assumption. To shortcut the story, it actually was the best assumption, because in that moment, I just said, and just take whatever that emotion is, and just let that fade away. As you bring your attention to your breathing, notice a sense of calm coming back the fact that you're now taking better care of yourself means you could be more resilient for moments like that in the future so i didn't pause and you know dig in the dirt of going what was that what was going on right, right. which turned out to be the right choice because at the end of the session i'll uh very indirectly for obvious reasons referenced that she had a recognizable last name which then was revealed that she was the sister of a very well-known comedian and oh, wow. um Her sense of humor was much better, it turned out, (laughs) because in that moment, she goes, that was so weird. Like, what do you mean? She goes, well, in the middle of the session, I remembered where I was when my husband passed away, and the fact that he was in the ambulance, and for whatever reason, I couldn't ride along, and I never got to say goodbye, and I don't know if you heard it, there was an ambulance that drove by outside, and the memory came back to me, and I... In my head i'm starting to now try to connect dots going oh and that's when the weight went on and she pauses and she goes this is her language mind you that's so weird because i was fatter then than i am now huh <laughs> anyway this was so cool i'm looking forward to next week so <laughs> oh, wow. it's what i love about that is that suddenly it wasn't that it was this vulnerable receptive state she was aware of everything yeah. she had the full recollection of every memory and just as you and I are talking, we're focused on each other, thoughts will come and go. So the mind, as a friend of mine says uh, in her lovely British accent, the mind's always a bit of a chatterbox. So it's not the deletion of that conscious part of the mind. It's that sort of setting it off to the side, which without even me having to say it, we have this ability to create connections. As she goes, you know what? This became even more meaningful that even though that story was like 10, 12 years ago, you know, that came about after we had gone through a bit of a health kick together to get in better shape. Now, that's not what ended his life. And they said he probably lived longer because he had dropped more weight than I did. And as I think back, she goes, now I've got a better reason to take better care of myself. Wow. So it's it's from that, what could have been perceived as a deeply troubling situation suddenly became every bit of strength. I, I just tend to say that everything is an asset. You know, the most empowering word in our language could be the word because. Well because of that memory, I'm going to take better care of myself now. When anyone else could have gone, well because of that memory, oh, this is not the right time for me to deal with it. Mm. So it's about that perception, it's about that result we can take from that experience.
1: Yeah. I love words. There's there's certain words that are just um it, we all have different meanings to it, but but words like because and be, like I, I love be. Just yeah. be. <laughs> be be whatever and just be it you know um and we that's a whole different episode we can talk about language um man those are great stories man those are like what i'm getting is obviously hypnosis there's so many things that that can happen in that state but it's creating a lot of mental and emotional space so you have a better lens on either dealing with what you need to deal with
2: or maybe connecting some dots that happened years ago that that will give you clarity and i tend to say too that the process you know we can look at it as and this is a lot of what i talk about these days that we can look at it as a formal process but there's also something happens as we step into a mindset of simply being hypnotic i I go to i think minority report was the first movie where we saw the sort of three-dimensional graphics around somebody and they're reaching up and they're moving things around in time and space Which we've now seen in like every avengers movie uh if you remember in avatar there was the big uh table with the whole island (laughs) projected up with 3d renderings and the the scenes in the avengers movie specifically around iron man of crafting the suit throwing it over to the machine into the computer and then jarvis builds it and i look at that as the example of the phrase becomes if only we could actually do that and and the truth is we can That in our minds, everything is this holographic memory. Everything is this emotional intelligence ability. And rather than present this premise to ourselves that I can't, well, instead, well, what if I take that feeling that I I had a lawyer I worked with years ago, which is very clearly your audience. I had a lawyer that I worked with years ago that suddenly was losing confidence in his closing arguments. Rockstar lawyer was doing great, but then suddenly something slipped. And again, the classic approach would be, where did this all go wrong? What's the problem? And instead we focused more like an athlete on a peak performance mindset. And it came back to, we've all seen these YouTube videos. They were not of him, Uh, yet you know the story. There's two seconds left on the clock in the basketball game. They're down by two points. He's got the ball. He's the other end of the court. Might as well, right? Hurls the ball the entire way across the court. Swish, nothing but net, wins the game. They're chanting his name, lifting him up on their shoulders. And by accessing that powerful emotional resource state, like you said, if I, my phrasing of what you mentioned was, you know, that experience where you feel good by accident, what if you could do that on purpose? So we were channeling that emotional memory and drawing that out. So now as he was standing up to give the final presentation in the courtroom, he was accessing that same emotional memory again copy and paste click and drag
1: now as you were talking this came up for me i don't know why i've never thought about this maybe this might be obvious but when you when we hear about being in a zone or flow state especially in, in athletics or performing anything but in athletics there's so many things that that happens in that moment or moments where things are going so fast, you don't know what the hell is going on, but you're doing everything right. Um, Everything is, you know, loud or it's quiet. You don't hear anything. It's bright. It's foggy, but man, no matter what's happening, you are just doing everything right and you're dominating is when you're in that state. Is that a form of hypnosis?
2: We can look at so many different situations. And again, I tend to say there's doing hypnosis and there's living hypnotically, which is, I think, really what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. It's where we could, you know, we can talk science for a brief moment. Here's different research studies that were done where uh, isolating parts of the brain and studies and in the uh, imagined state and in the hypnotic state, there were different scans. There's one specific test with uh, positon emission tomography. You know that old thing yeah where people <laughs> were listening to music and then hypnotized and told as if they were listening to music and the scans matched up between the real situation and the hypnotized state uh there's scholar.google.com we can find tens of thousands of peer-reviewed studies so we're no longer in a category of well i don't know if i believe in that stuff no we've got the research to back it up now yeah i, I mentioned that Because to look at those types of flow states, I had an experience recently where suddenly I had a project that was launching and it became a real performance enhancement moment of going, cool, we got to get a different programmer on this. We have a specific deadline. I need to get this person on the phone. It's now three in the morning, which means I need someone international. I can befriend that person once again. And it was like this ringmaster experience. Mm. And the quick moment where I had Warned my wife. I'm like, tonight might be a night that I don't sleep, but then it's done. And then it can just ride out. And it was in that moment at 4 a.m. that the phone lit up that she's texting going, how's it all going? I was like, going fantastic. See you soon. <laughs> where We're in that mode. And I would say there's a mindset approach to that. Again, it's where I'm going to bend the word. I'm going to bend the word ever so slightly that perhaps in that situation, we can say there's something hypnotic that's going on. But to go to the you know, research aspect of brainwave states and you know, the reticular activating cortex and all that other research stuff, right. maybe not. But to say, how do we use it? Th- this is my whole mindset towards working with intention. Let's get results on purpose rather than just by accident. That as I'm putting intention and focus to what I do, I can better predict the out- outcome. The same as the batter in the box who knows i'm going to have my feet about this distance apart my eyes are going to go here i've worked with weightlifters over the years one to one and here's where they have a very specific ritual of how they're putting way too much weight that should be reasonable on their back in a barbell squat yet because Mm -hmm. they have a ritual of i bounce the bar off my chest i duck under it i know exactly where it goes on my shoulders I take that half breath in to kind of brace my core. I step back one, two, bounce the feet, and I know I'm in performance mode, which again, yeah. is that a formal hypnotic state or is it still a hypnotic sequence? Again, like coding. Right. I say, as long as it's working for you, keep it up. Exactly. Well, it's where I give you the, the the correlation of this is that sometimes in a lot of what I do, hosting a podcast called Hypnotic Language Hacks, which goes out to business people, I'm the first to call out, if you use this specific series of words, is that enough that on the other end of that equation, the other person is now going to say, yes, simply because you use the sequencing of language. Here, here are the seven steps that I say every video should have. And Just because you did that, is that enough to get the sale? My best answer to that, maybe. <laughs> Yet here's here's the reality, though people who turn on the camera, let's say it's the business owner or even the coach putting out a video for their students, they turn on the camera and they kind of waffle for a bit because they don't know what to say. We have to talk about Will Ferrell in Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. My cultural references are gonna get even more oddly specific the more i love chat. It. I love it. The opening scene, the race car driver is being interviewed by the TV station and he's never been on camera before going, where do I put my hands? By your sides. And like he puts his hands all up to his armpits. It's like like this, um, which if you pull a screenshot for the video, make sure it's this one. Uh, So in that moment, they're just kind of guessing. This is why public speakers pace. When instead, if you're going into that moment and you have specificity, I am opening with this series of words because it satisfies this. I am doing this stretch before this gymnastic event because it satisfies that. Is that influencing the audience or is it influencing yourself? Mm. Which one of the two is it? The answer is a little bit of both. Right. So it's where there's this self-hypnotic quality to all that we do. And by doing so, then we're going to operate with more intention, more specificity. We're going to have better clarity. It's going to clear away the uh, negative stuff that we're carrying around. And we're going to be performing to that more optimal ability as a result of that so it's this it's this correlation style effect that it's not just how we're influencing others. it's also about how are we influencing ourselves big time
1: you know, and again, as you were talking, this is great stuff because it's like it's really it's making me think about all the things that I do with them my profession and like and how much it is there's so much a uh, hypnotic element to it uh, when we talk about mantras, um, yeah you know so that we. We, we repeat often and often and often and often and like for me, I say three things before I speak or before I get on a podcast before I work with any kind of group. I always say I get to do this. They want to hear me and tap into your joy and that's for me. It's not for I mean, it's for them too. So I can actually bring bring my energy and bring my confidence, but it's, it's for me to get locked in. But I say it enough times that. I'm believing all that stuff and, and I'm pushing all the stuff that could be negative, uh, any anxiety or worry or fear or doubt. And I'm just locked in on all the stuff I can't control, but it's oh, like, Grant,
2: let's, let's, let's level that up. You're uh, not getting to, you're reminding yourself of things that are already true there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, a, a mentor of mine at one point used to say, and this was for uh, performance. He goes, if you're backstage thinking that no one's going to want this, It's not gonna go well. And for this moment that I need someone to volunteer, no one's gonna come up. If you're doing that, what is then your body language? What is your demeanor? What is everything going to then telegraph? Exactly. So this whole mindset of manifestation, we're getting into more practical concepts of it. When instead, if I'm operating, and part of what I do working with clients, so many people talk about, oh, but what if they're resistant? What if they're a resistant client? And I go into every interaction, whether it's private consulting, whether it's speaking, whether it's going on a podcast with this person is fascinated by what I do, which let me just call that one aspect of this as a hypnotist. That's pretty easy. Uh, This person's fascinated by what I do. Uh, There are stories that are going to help their audience. And there's people out there that this might be that one specific message they needed to hear to create their own breakthrough and move forward in something. Mm. Which by, by having that as part of my internal dialogue, it's no longer, oh yeah, this is an opportunity to come on and talk about what I do. No, it's instead an ethical responsibility to tell the stories, right? Ethical responsibility to share what I've discovered over the years, because even for those in business out there, the mistake would be, yeah, but Grant works with people in coaching. I'm not where he is. I shouldn't do that. Well, (laughs) your specific story may be the thing that's going to align with your specific audience. When, Grant, you have your specific story, and that's what's bringing people to you and subscribing to this program. Right. So as we shift it back to that internal ethical must, that's where we now find ourselves naturally in that place of congruence, confidence, and clarity. Totally. You're preaching the gospel there, man. I love (laughs) it. I love it. Well, so take that more... last five minutes and crop it, and just listen to that in the morning. Okay, I know, right? Exactly. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm locked in now. <laughs> well, before
1: we we sign off, there, there are just a few questions that I wanted to throw out to you. Now I know we talked earlier, um, and I know I'm asking you a question that's there's a lot of process to it, and there's a lot yeah. of things to anchoring. Um, but maybe in, in a in in a cliff note perspective. How would you um, explain what anchoring is and, you know, creating that that button
2: that we were talking about, which perfectly let's go back to the first story that I told my daughter was on me fell asleep, I did a quick scan of my body to notice what my breathing was, what my posture was, and this is by no means a new concept to anybody out there in your audience, you hear a song on the radio. And it reminds you of things you were going through when you first heard that song. You walk into a room and you smell something specific and suddenly memories of foods or cleaning products or whatever it might be quickly come back to the mind. This concept of anchoring is simply associative memory. Dr. Pavlov fed his dogs, rang the bell, fed his dogs, rang the bell, fed his dogs, rang the bell. And eventually he called that classical conditioning. We called that anchoring. So it's the ability. Here's the slightly technical wording, to connect one sensory state of mind to another sensory state of mind. When I do this, this is what happens, right, simply becomes the formula, which we can start to do this organically immediately, which is let's begin, I always tend to say, start with the solution, start with the end in mind. And this is why I told the story about being a relatively crappy soccer player at five years old. Teenage years, baseball showed up. I was halfway (laughs) decent at that just to give myself some defense here. But it was where when I caught myself in a productive mode, I I do a lot of video for my business and, oh, your videos look so smooth. Yeah, you only see the last take. Uh, Right. (laughs) But it's uh, (laughs) that hit hit home. Uh, (laughs) But it's in that moment, as soon as I do it, and this is something I actually do, when I have completed the thing successfully that I wanted to do. Mine is a very specific clap of my hands, to which now camera turns on and I have conditioned that as a response. Camera turns on, there's the clap. I'm in that presenting to the camera lens mode. So anyone out there in your audience can start to do this immediately. Start by again, plagiarize from yourself, copy and paste. This is all about modeling that excellent ability that you clearly have, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to something of this nature. So recognize when you are being effective, when you are being effective, do anything sensory verifiable. The key to this is, let it be specific. Mine isn't just any clap of the hands. I know the exact posture and gesture of it. The story of, it wasn't that I just slowed my breathing. No, my shoulders kind of sank and the core of my breathing, I brought it down lower. So that ability to bring specificity, think of it again, like you said, like a button, When I fire off this computer sequence, here's something that happens. But take note, all of these examples have been about utilizing what's already good and positive. The fact that you know you want to improve in this aspect of your personal life, your sport, your business, whatever it is, means that there's already aspects of you that are world-class. So again, the more prominent mindset is that of harnessing what's already there, bring the specificity into it. So I tend to say to people, it can be a word, it could be a gesture. I do a lot of work with public speakers and that's where sometimes it is that little bit of a shift in posture and they are in that mode. And it's not because we've done it once, it's because they've learned how to do it themselves to condition that. That, you know, as I talk to people in business, it's not just the words and the phrases and here's the sales letter formula or here's the mindset of, here are the steps towards a high ticket sale of a, on a phone call. It has to go back to that emotional intelligence, that state management, which, as you gave the buzzword for it, anchoring, about using something to reliably choose our state of mind, go into the right emotion. And, and the truth is, we may have other things going on in our lives. You know, we're chatting in the midst of a global pandemic where there's a lot of other things going on in the world right now. Right. And it's that ability to not necessarily delete away what's there, but to set that aside for later, the same right. as... We have that moment when we're in bed and we're thinking of everything else we ought to be doing the next day to learn how to set that thought off to the next exactly. day because two in the morning, not the right time. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> find then, what's great about you, utilize it, harness it, put it into use.
1: There's your totally. Problem. Totally. I was I was doing that last night, and I usually don't do that for whatever reason. A lot of stuff going on today. And I'm like, I can't do anything about it right now. It was so, excitement. It was yeah, excitement. Yeah. I'm just gonna go to, go to bed. <laughs> so that's great, man. Now When you talk about anchoring, for it to be effective, right? Because, I mean, you can anchor something and we can identify that word or that process, but it's about repping it out, right? And The more you rep it out?
2: Yes, and one other aspect to it, Okay. uh, which my only intro into this is to defend the fact that it took three movies of Star Wars for Luke to figure out he had the Force. Meanwhile, in the world of Mel Brooks, it only took one movie of Spaceballs, for Lone Star to realize he already had the Schwartz, the ring came from a cracker jack box. Again, more specific, the longer we chat. Love so it. this is a thing I've now nicknamed the Schwartz principle. Thank you, Mel Brooks, because here's the simple two-step formula to it. You mentioned repetition. Yes, that is a factor. However, part one, the more you make use of something, the better it works for you. Right. Part two, the better it works for you, the less you're going to need it as a technique. So to look at that sort of training phase, the same as here's the athlete who's having to learn exactly where to put their feet. Uh, I'm working with a strength coach at one point, and uh, he says, okay, put your feet shoulder width apart, followed up by, have you ever looked at your shoulders in a mirror? That is way off, which probably was a more polite way to say that perhaps out there. (laughs) When instead, now that I've conditioned that, okay, this is the distance my feet ought to be, I'm not having to think through the technique anymore. So look at everything through that sort of Schwartz Principle mindset, uh, which having talked about this enough, a student of mine tracked down balloons from the world premiere of the Spaceballs movies. Spaceballs, the balloons. Wow. They're 30-year-old latex. He said, don't blow them up. But the more you do something, <laughs> the better it's going to work for you. Right. But then again, the correlation becomes the better it works for you, the less you're going to need it. Exactly. The same as, you know, here's someone who's looking to you know maybe have more people out there as clients as a coach. And here's the formula I'm gonna go through in my messaging. And we're kind of muscling our way through it the first time when the next time we turn the camera on, we start speaking. We open up the Word document, we start writing. So everything becomes more natural through that repetition where eventually the formulas fall away. But the frameworks at the beginning give us that freedom.
1: Yeah, it just becomes a best practice. It just becomes of what you do. I love it, Absolutely, I love it. One more question and then uh, we'll get into closing out here. I love this question because it's about reflection, and this is where I think uh, where we where we learn and you know, how we develop uh, our craft and just develop overall. So when you think about um, just reflecting your whole career, what do you think you've learned the most about yourself?
2: I would say, and I say this, and the disclaimer is this is never from a place of arrogance when I look at things that I've done, when I look at people who I've been around who have had really cool breakthroughs and created really outcome, out, really outstanding results, I think there's something to be said. And it's somewhere between giving yourself permission to become really good at something, but also at the same time, having that opportunity to call out, hey, this one thing, I'm really good at that. So we're we're a culture that oftentimes that's kind of put down, which not to let it get to a place of arrogance or you right. know, sort of boastful pride. That's where it gets dangerous. Mm-hmm. I, I said one time in a keynote at a conference that you should listen to, your te- listen to your feedback, listen to your criticisms, but also at the same time, take some time to go back and reread your testimonials. That I tend to see that it's that ownership of going, I'm really good at that. And, and to call that out, but at the same time, being open to suggestion, being open to the flexibility of it that what that skill is can begin to morph over time and refine and get better. You might know this reference better than I do. It was a basketball player who they were asking about the fact that he'd been a pro for like 10 or 15 years. And his response was, he goes, well, here's what's interesting. I'm not as fast as I used to be. I'm not as strong as I used to be. And based on my current skill, I would not get drafted today. However, I'm playing with much greater specificity, even though I'm a little slower out there. And I yeah. love that as a premise that we can get better at something, yet I meet too many people who shy away from that appropriate reaching back and patting themselves on the back to go, hey, because I'm good at this. Exactly. And to take ownership of that and to recognize that's all right. You're allowed to do that. Exactly. And there's a lot of wisdom in that, right? I mean, that's probably what what
1: made this person, this athlete good Even when he's slowing down the body, the gravity, you know, is settling in, Mm -hmm. but it's him because he reflected from year to year and got the wisdom from his learnings.
2: Well, it's kind of running that 80-20 thing over and over that we're getting the biggest results from sometimes the smallest of things. And as we continue to grow at something, it's now getting away from, you know, all these extra things around it. Uh, I had a weightlifter one time who goes, I was so caught up in the right dosage of all these different supplements and things that were you know, legal and appropriate. But finally, I realized that I just needed to focus back on my form and the consistency. That was going to give me a better result over time rather than it was the eight milligrams of creatine rather than five or whatever <laughs> the numbers were.
1: <laughs> There's some power to just keeping it simple, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how can... How can my listeners um, learn more about your, your business, your podcast, your books, everything, and follow you on social media?
2: Yeah. Easiest thing to do is to start over at my website. It's Jason. Lynette.com, which don't worry too much about the spelling, I own all of the wrong misspellings, they all point at the right place. (laughs) Easiest thing to access right away, though, would be the podcast that I do hypnotic language hacks that goes out every Wednesday. And while the majority of that is about languaging in terms of business, I know a lot of your audience may be coaches themselves, or people who are looking to help more people, we're always influencing, we're always persuading. We might as well do it effectively so the hypnotic language hacks podcast everywhere you can find podcasts we go out on video as well and then to look at uh go over to amazon work smart business is the book i put out in uh, january of 2019 so those would be the best places to track me down and over at jasonlinette.com for those who want even more on the business writing and business strategy you can find there's a free webinar that introduces my program business influence systems to you over there too. Awesome. Brent, this has been awesome. Thanks for having me on here.
1: Man, this has been great. This is uh thank you for your energy and your thoughts and your expertise. Um I know I learned a lot. I revisited some things, but I also learned a lot. So this was great, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely.